Well, good morning and thanks for joining us today. I'm Evan Bray. And earlier this week, we were talking about some of the healthcare challenges that we see in the province. And one of the big ones that I think we end up going to and talking about a fair bit is those those backlogs, those wait times that we see in the emergency wards in our hospitals in the province. In some cases, you can be waiting hours, eight hours, 10 hours at a time, just because they are just overrun with people that are, in some cases, using the emergency ward for something other than those extreme emergencies that they're really set aside for. It, it almost becomes a walk-in clinic for people. And so while we're having that conversation, I got a text from a listener who's a pharmacist. And she said, you know, don't forget, Evan, that hospitals and walk-in clinics are busy right now, but thankfully we have great pharmacists in the province who are able to help with a lot of common ailments that we deal with. I thought, boy, that's a good reminder. It's I forgot about the fact that there's recently been a decision to allow pharmacists to make prescriptions in some cases. And so I thought, you know what, this would be a good discussion to have on the show about the services that pharmacists in the province are able to provide and a chat about how the healthcare crisis is affecting pharmacies as well. So Michael Fougere, who is the CEO of the Pharmacy Association of Saskatchewan, joins us on the phone from his office in Regina. Michael, thanks so much for taking the call. Good morning, Evan. How are you? You know, I, I think it's funny that the former mayor in Regina and the former chief of police in Regina, who have talked drugs on the phone many, many times, are talking about prescription drugs today. Who would have thought, eh? Who would have thought? That's right. So, you know, in the context of the, the busy emergency wards that we have, you know, pharmacies are an alternative. Can you talk a little bit about the medical services that are what I would call included under the scope of practice for pharmacists? Sure, appreciate this. You know, so pharmacists definitely are, are underutilized, and, and the, uh, the call you had a few days ago really said it very, very well here. We have the expertise to manage medications. Uh, there's over 20... Um, minor health issues that, that we deal with all the time that uh, pharmacists prescribe. And these can be anything from bladder infections to shingles, pink eye, cold sores, uh, prescriptions for contraception, and, and smoking sensation are, are, are part of those as well. But we, have, uh, we, have, we can manage your medication for you. We can review the medication, identify issues, and provide solutions or recommendations uh, and how the interaction between drugs can affect you and the drug dosage as well as uh, how to modify those medications uh, uh, in certain cases as well. So we have, um, you know, over uh, 400 pharmacists and 100 communities around the province. And many of these uh, smaller locations don't have any, don't have a physician or uh, a clinic in, at all. So the first point of contact for the healthcare system is the pharmacist. And they want to help and they can help. And there, there's a changing of the scope of practice and the province has, uh, we're pretty thankful for this to, to be happening, that they're, allowing what's called level one prescribing. That just allows the pharmacist to be involved with um, some medication adjustments um, from, a, from a, a physician. So, but it's limited in scope. Yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say, I'm curious, Michael, to know, like there, there is a, a limited number of, of things that pharmacists can prescribe for. Is there somewhere we can go to actually see the list just so that people understand prior to going in whether or not they're going to be helped by a pharmacist? They can, uh, they can go to our website. Uh, for sure, that, that's um, uh, sespharmacist.ca, or they can go to the uh, uh, the regulator, which is the Saskatchewan uh, uh, College of Professional Pharmacy. They have a list as well. But on our website, we have a list of all the uh, the minor health issues that we can we can deal with uh, that we're allowed to do. But again, you know, we, we have the capacity to to alleviate some of these minor issues that that, that are clogging up. Uh, 
um, emergency wards and doctors' offices, so they can so doctors can get back and, and deal with more serious issues themselves. I mean, potentially, this could be a lot of work if if everyone in the province understood how pharmacists could help them and and the issues that they may not need to go to a hospital for. That could be a lot of work. Is that business that pharmacies are wanting? Oh, absolutely. They they're they're trained to do this work and they want to do this work. They they like any other healthcare professional care about the patients and what they're concerned about is is really the uh, the access to healthcare the patients are not seeing now. And we are we do feel that we're being underutilized in many ways. And many of the conversations don't always include pharmacy as a, as an alternative or as a a integral part of the healthcare team. Michael Fougere so, is my guest today, CEO of the Pharmacy Association of Saskatchewan. You've got a, a, a pharmacy care pilot project that was launched. The government of Saskatchewan launched giving specific patients in Swift Current more health care options. I think that was late last year. Talk a little bit about that. What is it trying to address? It's trying to address the, uh, an, uh, an enhanced scope of practice. And uh, it's, it's sort of a test case for both a funding model, because when we expand the uh, the services that we would provide uh, the public, uh, patients, Pharmacists like doctors and nurses should be paid for that service. So this is a demonstration of what that looks like. An example of what's happening in Swift Current would be what's called a lab test or point-of-care test. Now, this is a significantly enhanced service to the public that they don't have to go to a doctor or uh, to a hospital to do this for for a, a small range, like diabetes or cholesterol is one example, where the test can be done in the office itself. Uh, and so this is a significant. It's not happening yet, but we do expect to have this happen this year. So the the uh, pilot in Swift Current is demonstrating to show how that actually works. And w- when will we be able to assess how well that worked and whether it's worth expanding elsewhere? Well, we know it will be worth expanding elsewhere because other provinces like Nova Scotia and New Brunswick have been, are well down the road in doing this, and we are we're sort of following their lead in many ways. But it's a one-year pilot, and we expect to see within later this year or early next year we'll have the results of that pilot, and that will guide both the policy and then the services that, that pharmacists can provide in the future beyond the um, scope of practice enhancement that the government announced last year as well. Michael Fougere is my guest today, the CEO of the Pharmacy Association of Saskatchewan. So, you know, we're, we talk a lot when we're talking about health care with the shortage, shortage of nurses, shortage of doctors shortage of lab techs. Is this something on the pharmacy side of things that's an issue for you? Are you seeing a shortage when it comes to pharmacists and anyone that would be involved in working in pharmacies in the province? Like every other uh, uh, player in the healthcare uh, field, we have a shortage of pharmacists and, and pharmacy technicians as well. And it is a challenge to to keep people in the industry. Uh, we're in a competitive marketplace where it's not just Saskatchewan, but other provinces are, are looking for pharmacists as well. So we need to be very competitive and provide enhanced scope. We'll make it more attractive for the pharmacists to be working in this province. Uh, of course, the, the how we are compensated by the government uh, uh, for services received is really critical to, to make sure we have uh, an attractive field to bring people into our industry. Are you doing work now to attract pharmacists? Are there any incentives in place, uh, education, training, any of those types of things going on? Well, we're actually negotiating with the province now on our contract. Part of that discussion is about uh, attracting people into the industry. We work with the Canadian Pharmacy Association as well on a national level about uh, how we can do that as well. So these are constant conversations we have with the Ministry of Health about how we can provide a better uh, environment for pharmacists to be practicing here. 
So before I let you go, a couple of things I wanted to touch on. One of them, I, I saw you recently uh, launched a campaign, I think it was in the fall, to encourage people to hand over expired, unused prescription drugs. Just a safety thing, making sure that those drugs don't fall into the wrong hands. Is that the whole idea? That's exactly what it is. It's the second year of the program, and, and uh, we, we were able to increase the amount of uh, medication that was, that was dropped off to pharmacies by about uh, 18 or 19% last year. We're doing it again this year, so it's all about public safety, getting unused, unwanted medication out of the wrong hands, and so people don't get hurt or, or have something else happen to them. Because we do know from a you know again, my putting my old hat on, you know, the theft of prescription drugs uh, being misused or used in the wrong way uh, is a problem in the province. It has serious health uh, side effects, and of course, uh, can can cause death for sure if if they're used in the combination or in the wrong way. So, is it as simple as people just if they have expired drugs showing up and turning them over to a pharmacist? So all you got to do is just take, peel, peel a name off of, your name off a label and bring it to your pharmacist, and they will dispose of them for you. They've been doing this for for quite a while, but we have this agreement with the province, uh, one-year funding agreement, to do this uh, again. And so again, it just, just simply is reminding people that you can just simply drop them out to the pharmacist, and they'll get rid of them for you. Pharmacy Association of Saskatchewan advocacy work for pharmacies and pharmacists all over the province. CEO Michael Fougere is my guest today. Before I let you go, Michael, what are some of the things on your to-do list? What are the top issues that you and your association are working on with the province right now? Well, next month is Pharmacy Appreciation Month, so we are going to be doing a lot of promotion to public awareness of what pharmacists do. And this conversation is part of that that uh, whole layout of what we're going to be doing. But we're in the middle of our, our contact negotiations with the province, very critical because uh, we're talking about the funding for pharmacy, what, what's uh, what's viable, also what the uh, scope of practice would mean and uh, how pharmacists are paid. And, and just really, uh, it's like a negotiation with doctors and nurses. It, it's a contract to be decided. So that's our focus for the next few months is to get that finished. Good stuff. Well, I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Evan, very much. Have a great day. Michael Fougere, the CEO of the Pharmacy Association of Saskatchewan. And again, not a bad idea. If uh, you are in need of a prescription, maybe if it's just a refill or a renewal of a prescription, in some cases, you won't have to go back to the doctor. Check the website, the Pharmacy Association of Saskatchewan. There's a list there of all of the different ailments or conditions that pharmacists can prescribe for. With this expanded scope of practice for pharmacists, it's it's an alternative and it's a way to hopefully triage people away from those very busy emergency wards in our hospitals and go right to the corner pharmacy to have your needs met. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Making our way through a break for students in the province. It is the February break and so no school this week, and despite the fact there's been no school, we have heard from the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation a couple of times. They did a news conference yesterday where they shared some information and some stories about school violence. And teachers, of course, calling school violence a symptom of an underfunded education system. Man, they had, did you follow these stories that some of these teachers told? Shelby, who is a teacher in the province, talked about Violence that led to her having a concussion, a broken nose, and multiple bruises. Roman, who is a retired school teacher, he went back to substitute at his local high school, sustained a broken jaw after being attacked by a student. He was confronting them about running in the hallway. He ended up with a broken jaw. He said he began pummeling me, striking me in the head, in the jaw several times. 
His jaw was broken in several places. He had a compound fracture resulting in his jaw being clamped shut for a month while the bones healed. He still has got nerve damage on his lips and jaw. It makes eating, drinking, even pronouncing words difficult. Mary talked about furniture being thrown around and students headbutting her. And as I was listening to this, and this is where the dirty laundry part of this comes in, because <laughs> my wife will probably not be jumping up and down about the fact that I'm telling this story, but we ended up having quite the discussion over this last night because Jody's a teacher and has taught for 22 years. And so as we're listening to the reports of this, the graphic visual images that I'm seeing of students punching teachers, breaking jaws, breaking noses, I am losing my mind. I'm These kids, they need to be held accountable. That's, that's aggravated assault. Like, are they going to jail? What is happening here? And Jody's reaction was similar to what we're, we're hearing is, it's not the kids' fault. It's the lack of supports that they have. And I don't know. I don't know if I, I mean, I guess, I guess if you've got a family that has a child with complex needs and the family is doing everything they can to help that child and the child goes to school and can't get the help they need. And as a result, are acting, they're acting out, you know, maybe there's a way to see, see through that, but you know, in, in my mind, acting out is not paying attention, not doing homework, those types of things. We're talking serious assaults. And so, you know, I pushed back a little bit and, you know, I'm not saying we had an all out domestic on it. All, all I'm saying is we, we basically agreed to disagree because the feeling that this violence in the school is a symptom of underfunding. I am not convinced that simply putting money down on the table is going to solve the problem of what appears to be very bad behavior in our schools. These kids cannot be assaulting teachers. I feel for the teachers if this is what they are putting up with. You know, I mean, I would like to think these are exceptions to the rule. I would like to think that the STF, when they're putting together their news conference, get four or five of the most drastic examples that they can, and they bring them forward to illustrate the fact that this is a problem. But, but anything is a problem. Like, can you imagine, like, I'm, I'm asking this and I, I'm actually even can't even believe I'm saying it. But like, if I, you know, was in grade 11 or grade seven, let's say grade seven, because the kid that punched the teacher in the jaw was grade seven. So if I'm in grade seven and I'm mad at a teacher and I decide as I'm walking by her in the hallway, I'm going to put a shoulder into her. Like, as I, as I'm saying it, I actually can't even believe I'm saying it. Like that's not on. That's not how we raise our kids. That's not what we do. I would have I would have been so afraid to go home. I would have been doing anything to stay away from a confrontation with mom and dad if something like that happened. It is incredible to me. Incredible that I'm not going to say there's no consequences cuz I don't know in each of these cases the kids could have been charged for all I know, but I used to say this in policing all the time. It's fine to talk about root causes. It's fine to talk about some of the challenges that we have. But at the end of the day, sometimes we have to accept kids behave badly and there has to be consequences. And I don't know if any amount of teacher supports will help that in terms of of cash, of people. I mean, basically hiring security guards for school classrooms is what we're, we're talking about. So tomorrow, we've got a packed show today. 
But tomorrow we are going to open up the conversation on this, and I can appreciate there will be lots of people probably on both sides of the issue. So I hope you come ready to chat. Tomorrow we will talk about the violence in the classroom issue and what you see as the solution. But I think in these cases, certainly these extreme cases, these kids have to be held accountable. I think their home parents have to be held accountable. It's uh, astonishing to me that this even happens. Okay, we're shifting gears. We're talking food, grocery shopping habits, spoiled and, uh, you know, recalls on food and eggs like we're seeing in the province now. That's where we're going next. Dr. Sylvain Charlebois from the Dalhousie University Agri-Food Analytics Lab is my guest next, talking about some trends that we're seeing with a cost of living crisis in our country. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.